Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, recorded live at WBAI 99.5 in Brooklyn every Wednesday at 9 p.m. RPM's about doing the work, the work to build a democratic socialist future. Each week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in New York City. Join the movement at socialists.nyc. Hey, what's up, New York City? This is Amy Wilson. You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute. And tonight, it's a special episode where we're taking you behind the scenes of our socialist radio show. On tonight's show, you'll learn how a small collective of volunteer organizers produce a weekly radio show where we speak to workers, labor organizers, climate organizers, socialist feminists, socialist candidates and elected officials, and all types of people working together to build a better world. You'll hear how we hope to inspire our audience to get involved with these struggles for justice. It's not easy, but we have a lot of fun making our show, and we hope you have fun listening too. We will be opening our phones later in the hour, so stay tuned for that. Once again, my name is Amy Wilson. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm proud to be a host and producer here on Revolutions Per Minute. I'm joined live tonight by my good comrade, Jack Devine. If you don't know our show already, we are a socialist radio show and podcast from members of New York City's Democratic Socialists of America. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States with 95,000 members nationwide. New York City DSA is its biggest chapter. We're run by 9,000 plus members and organizers who are working together to build democratic socialism in all five boroughs. It's time to go inside the RPM producer studio, but first, the headlines with Chris Carr. Hello, New York. This is Chris Carr with the headlines brought to you this week by The Thorn. In local news, City Council Member Tiffany Caban of District 22 of Astoria announced her support for a major rezoning project in her district that would build 1,300 new units in three towers after the developer committed to a number of larger apartments that would be regulated at deep affordability levels. Four months after the New York Public Service Commission enabled a private equity-backed company to purchase two power plants in Staten Island and Oswego, the biggest oil spill in New York in 30 years was recorded in the Oswego Harbor. Researchers estimate that over 20% of New York's fossil fuel power plant capacity is now owned by private equity, with lax oversight. Manhattan office workers are slowly returning to in-person work, with approximately 49% of workers in offices on any given weekday, up from 38% in April. However, most of the workers have a hybrid work agreement, and over a fifth of all offices remain vacant. 
In response to the recent influx of migrants arriving in New York, Mayor Adams suggested that the city's constitutional obligation to offer shelter to all New Yorkers should be reconsidered. Mayor Adams also quietly vetoed a bill in January meant to ensure that city's loft spaces are inhabited by artists, an act thought to have directly benefited Adams' friend Scott Serratino, who purchased a downtown loft shortly after the veto. Mayor Adams also ordered city agencies to cut their budgets by 7.75 percent over the next four fiscal years. Agency heads must submit their plans by the end of this month. Despite the Halt Solitary Confinement Act being fully implemented earlier this year, New York State prisons are still holding prisoners in solitary confinement for longer than the law permits. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo is being sued by Charlotte Bennett for sexual harassment, along with several former aides who allegedly enabled or covered up that behavior. In response to a shortage of attorneys across city government, Mayor Adams is seeking to attract big law firms to conduct pro bono work on behalf of the city, raising concerns about potential conflicts of interest. Amid the crisis at the Jacob Rees houses, the current CEO and chairman of NYCHA, Gregory Ross, will step down as CEO but continue as chair. The chairman position has a salary equal to Mayor Adams, and NYCHA will continue to pay his travel expenses as he still lives in Minnesota. Those are the headlines this week, brought to you by the Thorn. This is Chris Carr, and back to you in the studio for a wonderful show. Thanks, Chris. The Thorn is a weekly newsletter by New York City DSA's electoral working group covering local politics and radical activism. You can subscribe at thethornnyc.substack.com. Hello, welcome to the studio, Jack. How's it going tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the other side of the mic. It's great to be here as a guest and uh, approaching the show from that perspective. Oh, absolutely. And I'm really excited for our audience tonight to learn from your experience as a founding member of Revolutions Per Minute. You've really been involved with our show um, from minute one. So tell us a little bit about the idea behind the show, how it came to be, and the early days of how you organized to get this show from an idea to the air. Yeah, so uh, RPM has an interesting origin story. It all actually uh, dates back to Central Brooklyn uh, political education. So in Central Brooklyn, Poly Ed, we would put together these night schools that people would come to discuss uh, socialist history, socialist organizing, theory, and concepts. And so sometimes when you have these night schools and have these sort of events, uh, secretariat groups like to infiltrate them a little bit and bring their presence to it. So one of them, uh, the Plattus organization, uh, was having a panel at the left forum and they asked me to attend to represent DSA. And it, it was part of the event was a little ridiculous. The person from Platypus was denouncing DSA as a Bonapartist organization, whatever that means. Uh, but uh, it was productive. And I like to joke, one of the only productive things that has come out of a, a left forum event uh, by the fact that there were members of the WBAI community who were attending that panel 
who were interested in what I had to say came and uh, met with me after, talked about getting DSA involved at WBAI, whether that was in this in, involved in helping the station as a whole or maybe potentially putting a show on the air. So that happened uh, in June of 2018. And then I met with uh, Alex, who is uh, the who eventually became the director of Pacifica uh, at uh, some point, but I met with him a month later, discussed getting DSA involved in the station, but didn't hear back for a little bit. Uh, a few months went by, was invited to check out the station, you know, see how WBI operated. I got to meet the general manager, uh, the programming director. And then from there, uh, I, st- I started having conversations with, uh, somebody who was involved in the early makings of the show, Jake, he wanted to put together this show, uh, social revolution on this, uh, like highlighting this perspective of socialist feminism and the organizing that was happening around that. And then we got reached back out to in, in early November, 2018, about having DSA put their own show on the air. And so from there, we, we decided that we're going to reach out, uh, to all the working groups, to the branches. So DSA has DSA, uh, NYC DSA has meetings, whether it's uh, like monthly branch meetings or uh, working groups that have their own uh, monthly meetings. So we went and attended all those, told uh, everyone that we had a potential, we'd heard from a radio station that they wanted us on the air to put together a weekly show and that we wanted to get people involved in the show. So we started to reach out to people, see if they're, they're interested. And we kind of built a big group together and we all met uh, at this now uh, closed bar, cherry tree um, in downtown Brooklyn, a great, a great spot, a lot of uh, a fun bar. Um, and there a, a group gathered and it was like, we were having key discussions. Like, what do we want the show to be about? What, how are we going to make this different than the, the other uh, socialist audio content that's uh, popular these days that people are tuning into, whether that's more like comedy focused shows like Chapel Trap House or the more uh, intellectually focused shows like The Dig. How do we separate ourselves? How do we create our own identity? There's also this uh, question of what we're going to name the show. How, how are we going to form it? And then and Annalisa, who would become a key member in and founding RPM and, and really getting us off the ground and creating the, the tools and mechanisms um, for uh, scheduling shows and producing shows, really a key producer in the founding of RPM came up with this title revolutions per minute and we rolled with it. So that's kind of a, a brief origin story. I guess then we, after these meetings, we went back, we met with uh, the station again, discussed who we were going to have on the air, what we were going to get together for a first show. And we decided to have our first show about the, um, organizing that was happening to stop the, the ridiculous deal that was going to bring in Amazon to Queens. And so we had that. We had an interview with uh, NYC DSA elected uh, state senator Julia Salazar. And then we had a great segment that we're going to hear later today um, from Lee Zishi calling in, talking about uh, an effort to stop a pipeline from being built, uh, a theme that continued on for the rest of our show. So that's kind of a brief origin story. We started out, we aired our first show aired in January of 2019. And it's now almost been four years that we've been on the airwaves. And uh, one thing that's notable about revolutions per minute is I believe it is the only that New York city DSA is the only DSA chapter in the country that has a regular radio show. I'm willing to be corrected if that's not right, but there's also towards types of publications that come out of 
uh, DSA and other socialist and leftist organizations, but they tend to be, you know, historically newspapers or newsletters or in the modern day blog posts or website articles. And there's also this, you know, at the same time, this flourishing, as you mentioned, especially around that time uh, in the 2016 to 2018 type of era of podcasts that kind of took this more irreverent look um, and that brought leftist politics to a, a new generation in the wake of Bernie Sanders' 2016 run. But what we do is a little bit different because we are a weekly radio show and we are connected to a socialist organization that gives listeners opportunities to plug into what they're hearing about, the organizing that they're hearing about on the air each week. So for people out there who might be considering doing something like this from their own organization, whether that's something else here in New York City, um, coming on to WBAI per- perhaps in the future, or elsewhere in the country thinking about you know their own local community radio station, how would you describe the philosophy and sort of the underpinnings of what we do on our show? So I think at the core of what we do is that we focus on people who are organizing uh, for socialism. They are trying to build working class power within their workplace, within their building, within their community at large, that they're fighting back against the powers of uh, capital, whether that's challenging financial capital, real estate capital, especially here in New York City, there's a lot of fights going on against real estate capital, or whether you see struggles that are happening against the capitalist state, the organizing that's happening uh, against uh, the power of the police and uh, campaigns that are fighting to defund the police and reallocate resources into education, healthcare, and housing. And so you you see, we focus on on struggles that are happening on the ground, people are, who are engaged in these struggles and raising their voices. So as I said before, uh, we were trying to fill, fill a void that we saw in this, in this left media ecosystem. There was, there were shows and I mentioned one like Chapo Trap House that had this comedic ironic orientation and they were, they were very focused around Bernie Sanders and they would do some shows with like a historical background and, and taking things from this perspective, but they would have on a lot of like uh, social media personalities would be like their huge, their main guests. And so we wanted to avoid that route. And then there's also a, a like I mentioned another show, The Dig, which is a great show. It's and it gets into like this very intellectualizing like um, perspective, and it's bringing on academics who are writing books and history books, sociology books, political science books that are. Um, you know, criticizing society and looking at things from a socialist perspective, from a Marxist perspective. And we wanted to bring that Marxist and socialist perspective, um, but we wanted to uh, do it uh, from the perspective of organizers on the ground who people are fighting in the day to day in their workplace to organize a union or to organize in their buildings a tenants union or or working on a campaign to preserve and or push forward further abortion rights and the struggles that go on uh, dealing with uh, reactionary forces that are trying to um, uh, foreclose the women's bodily uh, autonomy. And so these are, we wanted to get uh, into the key issues and people who are organizing and and fighting back uh, against uh, capital and the reactionary forces that represent it. Yeah, well said. I, I think that something that I always 
feel when I listen to the show on shows that I haven't been involved with making at all. You really feel the difference when you hear organizers talking about their own work. Um, we had a show a couple of months ago where an uh, organizer for Sarah Hannes Resta's campaign in the Mid-Hudson Valley uh, talked about um, driving up people's long driveways in the Hudson Valley to do door-to-door canvassing. It's those kind of details that really reflect the experience of what it's actually like to be an organizer and kind of the the crazy things that get thrown at you and the roadblocks that you have to overcome. It's really, I think it's something that really sets apart um, hearing from somebody who's out there doing the work and putting politics into practice as opposed to a more theoretical um, approach. And we have uh, some newer uh, producers and hosts in our Revolutions Per Minute Collective. One of them, Chris Carr, asked us the other day how we how we find our guests for the show. And really, the majority of the guests that we find for the show are our own comrades, people that we have worked with, people that we know through um, seeing them at protests or seeing them in meetings. And so the show also really draws on the amazing community that New York City DSA has been able to build here in New York City over the last five years and the way it's been able to bring together not only people who are new to socialism and new to leftist politics, but also some of our um, more elder comrades and seasoned people who've been around on the left for decades and decades at this this point, which I think is something that's really cool um, about this current moment. Um, If you're just tuning in now, this is Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM, streaming on your favorite podcast app. Today, we're taking you inside the RPM Producer Studio to hear how we make our show and how our media is an extension of our work as socialist organizers. So tonight's show was inspired by a a wonderful friend and comrade of mine and Jack's, Lee Zishi, who sadly will be moving away from New York City. While she'll always be a valued member of our collective and you'll still hear her on the air with us, we thought this was a wonderful moment to pay tribute to her body of work over nearly four years with Revolutions Per Minute. So what we're going to do, you know, Jack here in the studio is an educator and um, I am as well in my own way. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to uh, one of our favorite segments um, that Lee put together and aired here on Revolutions Per Minute about a year and a half ago. And then we'll talk a little bit about it and why we think it reflects um, what we're trying to do here at Revolutions Per Minute. So let's go ahead and roll that clip now. Um, so we're yeah. uh, going to transition now to our interview with Lee, who will be um, in the studio next week on our episode focused on eco-socialism. Um, Lee is out at a, uh, a protest um, outside a court decision right now, um, and we're looking forward to talking to her. Hey, Lee, you're live hey. on WBI, uh, WBAI Radio. Um, hey. So how? Um, so can you please uh, describe, uh, you know, what the court decision um, was originally about? What was the case about, and what did the court decide? And are there any actions planned uh, related to this um, decision? Yeah. So I'm in uh, Peekskill, New York, tonight. Uh, if you're not sure where that's at, it's just a little bit up the Hudson River. And what happened was uh, in 2016. The uh, New York State approved construction of a frack gas pipeline to come through this area. And even though New York State banned fracking because we said it was unsafe, 
we're still building this infrastructure in our state. So after lots of community involvement, people calling Governor Cuomo, people calling Senator Schumer and Senator Gillibrand to intervene um, and doing every possible thing that they could to try to stop this pipeline in a legal way, three people crawled into that pipeline and halted construction for 18 hours. And so for the last two and a half years, this trial has been slowly going on. And what the defendants were trying to argue was what's called the necessity defense, that they committed an illegal action because it prevented an imminent and greater harm, that this pipeline contributes to climate change, this pipeline exposes local community members to frack gas pollution, and this pipeline also goes with a 105 feet of Indian Point nuclear power plant, which is an aging and failing nuclear power plant. So if there was a rupture in this pipeline, which we know happens all the time, uh, New York City is actually in the evacuation zone. So that puts 20 million people at risk. So they took this action to prevent that greater harm. And that's the argument that they presented in front of a judge. And if the judge found them not guilty today, it would be the first time ever that in a trial, in a climate-related trial, that people were found not guilty by reason of necessity. Unfortunately, the judge came back and found them guilty today. She took a very, very narrow view of the necessity defense and said that since these people didn't file as interveners in the federal process, uh, that they did not do everything possible. They did not exhaust every legal option before committing an illegal act. So in some ways, um, it was a win because she actually recognized that there is a lot of imminent harm that this pipeline presents when it comes to climate change, when it comes to the risk of it being next to Indian Point, but kind of, you know, took this very narrow legal view and still found them guilty. Uh, she also decided, though, that there would be really no penalties. They don't have to do any community service. They don't have to pay any fines. And so we think that's a recognition that she recognized the harms that this pipeline actually presents. And what the community is asking is that Governor Cuomo recognize those same risks. The governor's administration has put out a risk assessment of the pipeline and determined that it is not safe to go next to Indian Point. But instead of actually taking action, the governor has kind of kicked the can down the road to um, the federal agencies, which we know will do nothing. So what people can do um, is contact Governor Cuomo and ask him to shut off the gas in this pipeline. We need him to be a real climate leader. And we need him to stop um, investing New York's money in frack gas infrastructure. And next week when um, I'll be back on the show, since I won't be here, uh, we'll talk a lot more about the different frack gas infrastructure that Governor Cuomo has approved and different ways, like what would a socialist energy plan look like? How What would the world look like if we actually owned our own energy? So, you know, the community here is still fighting this pipeline. They're still asking for Governor Cuomo to shut the gas off when the decision came down guilty. Uh, everybody stood up in the audience, turned their backs on the judge, and walked out singing movement songs. So this community is definitely still fighting this pipeline and asking for the gas to be shut off. And like I said, next week we'll talk a lot more about what our energy plan looks like for New York State. Thank you for that really amazing update. It seems to you know highlight a lot of the things that we were talking about today that, um, you know, Cuomo and a lot of the New York Democrats may, you know, put on a friendly face for progressivism, but at the end of the day, they bend their knee to capital. Profit is put over people, and the only way to counter that is to organize on the ground against these, you know, um, ruling class interests. 
Right. Um, we just heard Lee Zishi's very first ever appearance on Revolutions for Minute all the way in early January of 2019. We will hear um, a little bit of her later work um, later in the show and discuss and analyze um, a segment produced by, by Lee Zishi. But uh, what a trip down memory lane, Jack, <laughs> that was. I'm feeling a bit nostalgic and uh, a bit strange hearing my my voice from uh, back in the early days. Uh, a few uh, a few slip ups there. You know, it takes time to grow on the radio. <laughs> it absolutely does, and you know that's something that I really appreciate about the show too. Is that we we do make mistakes and we're not always perfect, and that reflects the fact that we're not professional radio hosts and producers. We are workers and students and and organizers and people with real lives. And we take the time out of our day to do this because it's our passion to do it. So for me, I, I don't really mind it when the seams show a little bit. I think it shows that that we're real and we're not funded by corporate interests. And sometimes that means our audio quality is a little off. And But that's okay because the content, the content is fire. Um, and Jack, I want to hear what you think about um, that, that first appearance by Lee. Um, but I just want to say, I think it just encapul- encapsulates so much of what she would bring to the show. Um, she has such a gift for explaining complicated concepts as a climate organizer. There's, there's so much bureaucracy and complicated, you know, regulatory agencies and things of that nature that are involved with really making change in that field. I think Lee really has a gift for explaining those things, for making them sound simple, for, um, presenting news with, um, a tone of hope. I was really struck by how she said, well, the judge found these people guilty, but it's good news because she recognized that this, that, and the other thing, and the community stood up in the courtroom and re- turned their back on the judge and came out singing movement songs. So she, there's this focus on people power, and there's this focus on hope and moving forward, even in the face of everything that's going on for a climate organizer and all the bad news that we're, we're constantly faced with, with regard to climate justice and the hope of an eco-socialist future and the hope of a future where people, as Lee said, own their own energy systems and have a greater degree of control over that. So I think, you know, that that was just a little taste of what Lee would end up bringing to the show over four years. And it's also a taste. Um, people who've listened to the show for a long time maybe know that Lee's a big sports fan. I think you hear that as well in her uh, reporting style. I think she could easily be reporting from the sidelines of a Steelers game, but I'm so excited that she's instead reporting from courtrooms where people are um, fighting for to stop pipelines and for eco-socialism. So, Jack, anything that you'd like to add, anything that uh, struck you from listening to that over again? I think you really hit the nail on the head, but it was, it was incredible to hear Lee's first report, her being so clear, and concise about the stakes of this pipeline, the danger that it posed to New York residents. It's, it was uh, interesting to hear what, you know, some things changed and some things remain the same. The fights against these pipelines are ongoing, but at that moment it was governor Cuomo who was, you know, leading New York state and, and held power. Cuomo has since uh, been pushed out and we have governor Hochul now, and that's kind of the, the person who, who holds the, the cards within New York state and is a, maybe a, a less uh, scary face uh, of the ruling class, but still someone who represents powerful interests and someone who 
you have to challenge and uh, fight against and on many fronts. So it was, it was uh, just incredible to hear what Lee had to say. It was just being part of that segment. Uh, it was, it was fun back in the day, just having someone call in and call into the show and be like, Oh, we're a real radio show. We have somebody on the air and to have someone who knew so much about, uh, the fight uh, to deal with climate change and the, the challenge the power of uh, fossil capital and the way that uh, Lee is able to clearly lay out the terms of that struggle of that fight uh, was is is just it's always great to hear. And in yeah, I I really agree with um, a lot of what you said, and I think something that I noticed as well is just this this willingness that people have not only our hosts but also our guests you know week after week year after year our guests are not afraid to call out governors mayors senators assembly leaders union bosses uh real estate companies landlords there's an analysis of power that our guests have and are willing to share on the show and there's not really, we don't really pull that punch. I think we're very willing to say, you know, th these are the forces that we're up against and this is how we're organizing to make change with people power. That's something that I certainly always appreciate um, as a listener. So folks out there in WBAI world, you're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI. Today, we're inside the RPM Producer Studio with me, Amy Wilson, and Jack Devine. We're talking about how our show is made and the socialist politics that inform our production choices. And we will be getting back to that later in the second half of the show. We have another segment from our archives uh, to share with you, to look at from a different light. Um, but first, this is the time of the show where we ask you to join us and join with WBAI and join in this project of bringing socialist politics to the airwaves. Um, we are far from the only show here on WBAI that has an analysis of New York City politics from the left that is willing to call people out, that is willing to tell the truth about what happens on the ground um, in the United States' largest city that has such a rich history of left and labor politics and social democracy that has suffered so much under neoliberalism and the forces of corporate power that attempt to destroy the soul of our city. WBAI represents something different, and we're right here on 99.5 FM. If you appreciate that we have this real estate on your radio dial, that you can tune in from anywhere in the tri-state area while you're driving, while you're at work, you can tune on our website. Please pitch in a little bit to make that possible, not only for yourself, but for everybody else out there who could benefit from what we're talking about tonight. Um, the number to call is 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. This is a listener-supported station. We don't have funding from corporations or foundations. We're not beholden to these large interests, which is a huge part of how we're able to have this analysis of power and to be honest about the things that we're seeing and experiencing as socialist organizers in New York City and elsewhere in the country as well. We've talked to people organizing in Kansas, Louisiana, uh, Texas, the Hudson Valley. We are a nationwide movement in these so-called United States, 
And we're not the only ones out there who are fighting for justice. So if you see yourself reflected in that mission, if you feel like, hey, yeah, I could spare a couple dollars tonight, I really support this. I like what I'm hearing. Um, I'd like to hear more of it, and I want to see this continue into the future. It's super easy to give a donation to WBAI. All you have to do is call 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950 or WBAI.org. It really helps the station to know um, their budget every month and how much they can expect. So if you're able to give a monthly donation, become a BAI buddy, that is so great, very much appreciated by the station. You could become a buddy in the name of Revolutions Per Minute. Let them know you're down with socialism. You're down with DSA. You want to hear more of this stuff on the air. Just go to the website, click on Become a BAI Buddy. Put our name in the show field if that's how you feel. And fill out your information. Click Submit. That's all it takes. And you'll have made a difference in the landscape of media. Uh, thank you so much for listening tonight. We really appreciate all our current donors who are out there in the audience. If you'd like to become one of them, super easy, 212-209-2950. So let's get back to tonight's show, and let's hear some of Lee's later work. We heard a little bit from her first appearance on Revolutions Per Minute. She went on to be a regular host and producer um, here on the show, and back in spring 2021, she put together a segment that I loved, I remember clear as day listening to it the first time around and thinking, this is the kind of radio that I want to hear. This is the kind of radio that I want to be making. Let's go ahead and hear that now, then we can talk about it. Um, would you mind rolling the clip? A ver, ahora vamos a oír de Marcela Primera. And then we'll, and then we'll hear in English. Dale, Marcela! Dale! Thank you everyone for being here. I know your time is very valuable and important and you can be anywhere else doing something uh, different, but you're here giving of your time because we're here trying to ensure that our next city council representative is someone who's going to fight for us in the working class. Uh, our civic engagement is very important because there's people in positions that are taking, that are making decisions that are impacting us for generations. And so we must ensure that they have our true values um, when they're heading into office and when they're making those decisions. So for me, it's really important for everyone to know that my candidate and the person that I'm going to be working with, building um, building working class power is Alexa, and that's who we need in the city council office. I'm proud to be among community leaders, right, because this is about us as a movement. This is about us making the change together. So we are fighting for our community. We're fighting for resources that we deserve. We're fighting for dignity and rights, right? We're fighting for education, quality education for all children. Thank you for being here, and I look forward to, to continuing to work together because it doesn't end with elections. It's every day of our lives. So gracias, gracias. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Sarai, Sarai Cuate, and I am a domestic worker. Um, I've been here in Brooklyn. I was raised here for my own self. I, I know I just take this moment for my own community because my Latin community is in need of so many help, much, so much help, and especially um, women and older women. They need trainings, they need jobs. They, we need rent assistance and most of them are immigrants and we really need this um, time with uh, Alexa if she could help us out like support us. Uh, my name is Paul, I'm a 
South Brooklyn uh, DSA member. And what's your name? Uh, my name is Rob Santos, and I'm in South Brooklyn DSA as well. And why are you spending your Sunday out here in Sunset Park uh, canvassing for Alexa? I believe and support the vision that Alexa is running on, which is sort of a, a uh, socialist, more of a socialist-run city council uh, that's focused on the needs of the working people and the working class over the business class and uh, real estate developers and millionaires and billionaires. Her platform for um, more affordable housing and uh, sort of a reform or uh, abolishing the, the, the zoning or land use uh, zoning laws that currently exist that put uh, developers' uh, needs first ahead of the communities. I've lived in Sunset Park for a decade, and I'm also a middle school teacher, so um, Alexa's, both Alexa's, like, deep roots in the community and her connection to uh, parents of this community through her education activism and her time as a PTA uh, president of her daughter's schools um, really makes me feel like she'll be a champion for um, in, in this age of austerity that we're about to, that we're in um, that she'll be someone who is there fighting for just education and not just um, education justice but also education justice with a specific specific anti-racist uh, pro-immigrant family perspective. Um, that's really what uh, has been um, motivating me to volunteer for Alexa through this through these last few months, and and I'm really excited um, to spend my time uh, fighting for her. Yeah, and so it sounds like you've volunteered before today too. Yeah, um, I volunteered quite a few times, um, just mostly doing phone banking and and door knocking and. Um, it's been really great to get to um, meet my neighbors um, in a way that's different and talk to my neighbors instead of just saying hello, um, talking to my neighbors about what really matters to them and, and what issues are important to them, and then relating them to how they fit in with Alexa's vision for this neighborhood and for the city. Yeah, I guess I was, I was wondering, like, how have people responded, you know, when you've been talking to her about that? Uh, yeah, people are really excited. Um, you know, it's canvassing is a mixed bag. You know, you get like one or two people, uh, you know, per 10 or 20 who are like really excited to talk. And and you get a lot of different uh, you get a lot of mixed politics. Um, but once you relate it to something that they feel in their everyday life, that's usually when you get really positive. Uh, you have really positive interactions with people. Cool. And, you know, there's about a month left before the election. You know, why should comrades, you know, come join you, say, next weekend or, or the following weekend? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, comrades should be, uh, you know, um, volunteering for all of our slate. I think that um, it's really important that we win as many of these races as possible. Um, our slate will be so much more powerful. They all have different strengths that will... Um, complement one another and um, they also will provide a sort of block in city council so um, Alexa is amazing she's great please come volunteer for her but uh, all of our all of our slate needs volunteers so um, if you can't get out to Sunset Park uh, get to the closest race you can and, and volunteer for that race you just heard a segment produced by Lee Zishi all the way back in May of 2021 
at a canvas for now city council member Alexa Aviles down in Sunset Park. That was a successful campaign, and I think you can see why based on, based on the interviews that Lee was able to do. We had domestic workers, teachers, parents out in the neighborhood talking to their neighbors about this this candidacy and why they were excited about it. Really cool to revisit that path down memory lane. Jack, I want to get your thoughts on it, but first I do want to let the audience know they're welcome to call in and speak to us um, on the phone lines tonight. Uh, the number is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Give us your thoughts. Um, what's one thing you've enjoyed hearing on, De- on Revolutions Permitted on WBAI? What's one topic you'd like to see us cover? A guest you'd love to have us on the show? A struggle you'd like to see us um, speak about? You can give us a call, 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. This is live radio, folks. That's one thing that distinguishes us from some other of the lefty media properties out there. And uh, it's nice to be able to interact with our audience as well and get a sense of who's out there listening here on 99.5 FM. Once again, 212-209-2877. We're on the air until about five minutes before 10. Give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind. And while we're waiting for any calls to come in, Jack, any thoughts listening to that uh, that segment there from spring 2021? That was really great to listen to. I think it, it captures so much of what the show is about in so many different ways. First of all, we are the first place that so many of uh, the DSA electeds go to uh, as their first media experience. So we didn't have the, the candidate interviewed in this particular segment, but we, we had her on the show. We interviewed her and bringing that perspective and a way to, to really get at the, the DSA platform why our candidates are pushing themselves to become elected officials, what they can do in elected office to materially improve the conditions of working class people in their communities and across the city and state. And so we, we, we provide that role. And I think it's an important role for us to do, but I think also what was so great about that segment is that we were hearing from people who were fighting back, who were on the ground, knocking on doors in their neighborhood, whether they were a teacher or another community member who wanted to see improved resources for where they live. They want to see more investment in uh, social housing and less money going to real estate developers. They want to see more money going to schools and less money going to police. So I think you see these people out there on the ground knocking doors for this uh, this vision of working class power, the materializing working class power by actually fighting back and uh, being part of these campaigns. These campaigns are powered by these people who are volunteering their time just in the way that we're volunteering our time to raise their voices and get them on air. So I think the segment really encapsulated so much of what the show is about, uh, what this organization is about. And it was just uh, really nice to hear that from Lee. Absolutely. And, you know, for anybody else who's out there, I know we do have some regular listeners of RPM who are DSA members outside of New York City who may be considering starting up something like this, or again, people from other organizations or types of uh, political groups here in New York City who might be thinking about it. Lee went to that canvas and interviewed people and spoke to people And we wouldn't have had that beautiful field audio with all the honking horns and the sounds of Sunset Park in the background 
if we didn't have people who were themselves willing to go out into the field and speak to people and take interviews. So I think that's also a huge part of our approach. And we always love it when we can get field audio here on the show, whether it be from a picket line, a demonstration, a canvas, any of the other opportunities that people have to, to interact with their neighbors and community members in person. We do have a call on the line. Um, thanks, Catherine, for letting us know. Um, let's go ahead and get them live on the air. Greetings to the beloved community, my art from the grotto, cosmic truth, justice, balance, and right. I'd like, I have a suggestion for an upcoming program, and don't know whether you covered any of this, but I'd like to hear more from the um, African uh, People Socialist Party and in particular, the FBI raid season of all 40-year history and devices. And I'd like to hear more about the doula program that is midwives with statistics in terms of four and five times mortality rate. I'd like to hear about the... Um, they had a housing program, they had a training program, they had a program for people coming out of their gulags, and they were also working with um, a white working class community in solidarity. So I, I don't know if you've covered, have you covered any, any of that at all? No, um, I'm aware of what you're referring to, Mayat, but I, we haven't had a chance to. I agree that would be a wonderful thing to, to cover. And I think as well, I mean, I think we could come at it from a few different angles, talking about the work itself and then also talking about the history of state repression and surveillance against left political movements, especially those liber those rooted in black liberation. That would be a very, very rich topic, wouldn't it? Absolutely, and there's a lot of, and I understand there's a Pacific app coming on to uh, very easily assess the archives, but many excellent programs had on um, O'Malley, yes, to tell, tell her, yes, she tell her, and um, uh, Margaret Flowers, Dr. Flowers, Democracy Now!, uh, COVID, Race, and Democracy. So it would be good to put some of that all together in terms of a framework, but I'll be continuing to listen because finding out about where those programs are now, no charges filed, right, and somehow connected to Russia and the election, I mean, and the laser reminded us of what happened to Fred Hampton and, and, and that period in Chicago. Thank you so much. Appreciate mm -hmm. you guys. Thank you, too. Thanks for calling. And thank you for the reminder of also the richness of the Pacifica Network, which is the network that WBAI is uh, one member of. It's been broadcasting from the front lines of struggle for half a century now. And there's many really cool. I mean, Jack, I know you could talk about this for longer than we have tonight. But do you want to say anything about um, the history of Pacifica and WBAI and how it's kind of interacted with social movements in the past? Well, to connect with what uh, the the caller was just mentioning with this, this history of surveillance and uh, the way that the government, uh, especially the FBI, has uh, countered 
so socialist movements in the past, movements for black liberation in the past. We have, uh, and I, I'm not sure if there is uh, something in the archives on it, but I, I believe that Pacifica was the first uh, media outlet to read the COINTEL report live on, on the air. And we've discussed this in the history of uh, this show. So I think that's one aspect of the history where uh, Pacifica has been a leading light and, and shining light on these atrocities committed by the government to undermine movements that are uh, providing people health care in their communities, that are providing people education, and that are uh, providing people food uh, for the poor, people who are starving, providing free breakfast for, that, for them and their children. So I think uh, we see how the FBI undermined organizations like the Black Panthers, a long history of organized, uh, undermining organizations on the socialist communist left uh, in the United States. And especially as uh, we've just mentioned, organized organizations that are fighting for black liberation. So I think um, we definitely try to bring that perspective and we've had shows focused on this in the past, uh, but not exact, not in the exact terms that you're discussing. Yeah. And, and maybe it's us that's going to cover it, or maybe it's another one of our, sibling shows on on WBAI. I mean, one of the really cool things about being on a station like this is that there is a lot of diversity in the station. There's a lot of diversity in the people who have opportunities to put shows in the on the air. We're just one of them. And, you know, you'll be listening next hour. It'll be something completely different. And I think that's also something that's special about us is that we're not something that you click on and discover and you only ever discover us because it's only connected to other left podcasts or other things that are basically produced for an audience of people who already agree with you. You know, (laughs) there's a little bit more element of interacting with the general public and interacting with the, the general working class and it's diversity and occasional wackiness and that the beauty of that that comes with being on on live radio and i think that's something that's really cool about um being on a being on a radio station so again uh, if there's anybody else out there who's thinking yes i really want to start a media project i i'd think about that and think about how you can root your media project in a community and not be um in your own room talking to people who you know agree with you but also kind of invite you know, different perspectives and, and be in community, in beloved community, as our, as our caller said, um, with other types of people and other types of organizers. We are coming to the end of tonight's show. Uh, we want to make way for our neighbors coming on at, at 10 o'clock. But uh, Jack, it's been lovely to be here in the studio with you tonight. Just nice to have a chance to chat with you. And I hope this was useful or helpful to people listening in the audience. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to um, leave our listeners with? It's been uh, great to be with you in the studio, Amy. And I uh, just want to we'll remind our listeners that if they ever want to pitch a show or get involved, we have a pitch form for uh, both of those things. So you can pitch a, if you have an idea or you're, you want to be a guest on the show, you can pitch us. There's a link to that on our Twitter. And you can also uh, say you want to get involved as a volunteer, become a member of the RPM Collective. And I just I want to generally say the... Again, the purpose of the show is to highlight that people are working towards an alternative. We're living in a contradictory moment where there is uh, there's so many threats and realities that people are facing. The threat and reality of climate change is shaking people's confidence in the future. We live 
in a society that's increasingly um, unequal. We live in a society where wealth and power is concentrated into the hands of the few, where there is uh, poverty and homelessness in the streets, but people are fighting for a different world. You see that out there and that there's new uh, unions emerging in uh, Starbucks and Trader Joe's, at Apple stores, at Amazon facilities. We have people fighting within their unions to make their unions more militant and struggle for the, the working class as a whole. We see this in the Chicago Teachers Union, the Los Angeles Teachers Union. We see this happening now in the Teamsters. There's a, f a fight to make the UAW a more democratic union. So we see this across the board. There's a tenants movement that's powerful across New York City that's fighting for housing rights. So we see a lot of potential and growth and people fighting for power. We have this new democratic socialist electoral movement, people electing representatives of government who are representing the interests of the working class, empowering the working class through the ballot box. We're seeing this on a struggle happening on many fronts, and there's a lot of potential to transform society for the better. It's happened in the past. We used to have slavery in this country that was overthrown. We used to have a brutal, absolutely brutal condition for industrial workers where they were dying in the factory. This was fought against and the people still uh, deal with tough conditions in the workplace, but there, there's been improvements. There, there's been struggles that have been waged and won, rights that have been waged and won. There's been fights for, I could go on and on and on. I don't want to cram it out of history. So I'll give Amy you the chance for the final word. You could go on and on and on. And you have in, in four years of revolutions per minute and hopefully many more. You know, I, I think you said it beautifully. And I think, you know, one thing that I personally really hope that people feel when they listen to our show is you are not alone. If you see this happening in the world, if you're alarmed by what's happening in the world, if you want things to be different for yourself, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your friends, you are not alone. There are so many other people out there who also want to see that and who are willing to take risks and sign that union card or talk to their neighbor, put themselves out there, put themselves on the line because we know the greater risk ultimately is inaction and that we have to struggle together in order to make positive change. So that's the message that we'd like to leave you on uh, on tonight's show and every week's show. This has been Revolutions Per Minute. Uh, to connect with us after the show, you can always email us at revolutionsnyc at gmail.com. You can find our past episodes on our website, revolutionsperminute.simplecast.com. And we're on Twitter at NYCRPM. We are on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM. And we'll be back here next week. Until then, solidarity forever. I'm Amy Wilson here with Jack Devine. And from all of us here at Revolutions Per Minute, good night. Good night.